0: Well, today we are concluding the four-week sermon series that we've been going through on the book of Ruth. Um, And again, the the title of this this series, as we've been going through it, is um, A Story of Redemption, as we heard even earlier in the song that we were singing, I will glory in my Redeemer. And uh, we're going to be seeing that again in our passage today of of, uh, the, the way that this story is one of redemption, of God redeeming Um, situations. And we we go back to the very beginning of of our series, back in chapter one of the book of Ruth, we were introduced to a tragic situation uh, where a family from Bethlehem traveled to the country of Moab uh, because of a famine in the land in in Bethlehem. And while they were there, the husband, Elimelech, and both sons died, leaving uh, the mother, uh, the wife, Naomi, as a widow with no sons. Um, but Naomi, and so Naomi decided to return to Bethlehem when the famine had lifted. And, and one of those daughters-in-law, of, of, of her, the wife of, of one of her sons, Ruth, insisted on coming with her, saying, I will go where you go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God, right? So Ruth goes with Naomi back. To Bethlehem. And when they arrive in Bethlehem, Ruth went, what goes out to, to gather some of the leftover grain in a nearby field, which um, later is discovered to belong to a man named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. And not only that, but as, as Debbie mentioned, uh, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer, we find out, which means that he was in a particular unique place to be able to help redeem Ruth and Naomi's situation. And so Naomi, we saw this last week as we looked at chapter 3, Naomi came up with a plan for Ruth to ask Boaz to take her as his wife, to redeem their situation, um, to be able to then have a a child, hopefully to keep the name of Elimelech going. And so last week we looked at this encounter between Ruth and Boaz, and and Boaz, we saw, expressed a desire to do this for Ruth, but there's a little snag that he mentioned that there was another man, he says, who was also a potential kinsman redeemer who was more closely related to them. So he said, we got to find out what's going on with this other potential kinsman redeemer before I can step into that role. And so chapter three ended with Boaz intending to go and find this other man to determine who was going to be this kinsman redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. So that's where we picked things up today as we move into the final chapter of Ruth. And my sermon title today is Redeemed, Um, as we're going to see that in this final chapter of the book, we see everything coming about with this story of redemption being fulfilled as Ruth and Naomi are uh, finally experiencing redemption. Their lives are redeemed. And we're going to see again in this passage how their story points ahead to the even greater redemption that is accomplished by Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, um, and how we, our lives, are redeemed as well through the work of Jesus. So our text today is uh, Ruth chapter 4. We'll be reading the whole, that whole final chapter, verses 1 to 22, which is on page 189 in the Pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. So Ruth chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate, And sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth, the Moabitess, You acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today, you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring, the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez. Whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Let's pray. Lord, as we see the the end of, of... this story, this, this account of, of the life of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and what you were doing in the midst of all of this, Lord, we pray that you would uh, speak to us today of the way that you are working in our lives as well, sometimes in ways we don't even see, and uh, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive from your word today, Lord, of who you are and your great redemption. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this final chapter... In the book of Ruth, I want to start by looking at the cost of redemption. The cost of redemption. Um, in, in the previous chapter, Ruth had come to Boaz and asked him to take her as his wife. And she appealed to this, this fact that he was a kinsman redeemer. Um, that Ruth was looking for Boaz to redeem her and redeem Naomi's situation. And I mentioned last week uh, about this whole role of a kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament. It was part of the law that that God had given to the people of Israel, that if there was a, a family or an individual in a situation of need, it was expected that a close family member, a kinsman, would help that person out would redeem their situation. Um, we, we, we see this in a couple examples where uh, someone had, had sold themselves into slavery because of debt. A kinsman redeemer could buy them back out of slavery, pay the debt for them. If, uh, if, if a person had, had purchased, had, had sold land, had to mortgage land and had no longer had it, a kinsman redeemer could buy back the land for that person uh, to be able to redeem it for them. And in this situation, because both Ruth and Naomi were widows and there was no heir... To keep the family line going, which was incredibly important in that, that culture, Ruth asks Boaz to redeem their situation by marrying her, so that the possibility might be that, that she could bear a child in the name of Elimelech, in the name of her father-in-law, to keep that family name and lineage going. And so when, when Boaz at the beginning of our text today, meets this other kinsman redeemer at the town gate, it's interesting that he makes no mention of Ruth, right? Did you notice that? When he comes to him, he says nothing about Ruth, nothing about this whole thing about the family line, right? We see actually in verses three to four, Boaz, as he brings this guy to the gate, which is where decisions were made, the town elders are there. And he says in verses three and four, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so, but if you will not tell me so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. So Boaz, he makes no mention about Ruth, but instead he brings up this piece of land. This piece of land Uh, that belonged to Elimelech. It says that Naomi is selling this piece of land. Now, the text doesn't give a background on this piece of land per se, but apparently, you know, again, because Elimelech had died, Naomi now had possession of this land, their family land, and Naomi had the ability to sell it because Elimelech and her two sons were dead. But with no child alive to inherit the land, the danger was that if Naomi died and Ruth died, and then there would be no one to inherit that piece of land in the family, right? So this is why Boaz brings this situation to this other relative, basically saying, here's a chance to purchase this land as a kinsman redeemer in order to keep the land in the family, right? To keep it in, in this broader family. And so the man says, sure, I'll redeem it, Right. This, this sounds like a good, a good deal for him. Um, and the reason that it's a good deal for him is that he pays a price now for this piece of land, but because Naomi doesn't have any children, then the land just becomes part of his inheritance that he can then pass along to his own kids, right? Becomes a part of the family, but he's paying a price now, but it's going to pay off down the road, right? For his own family. But then Boaz gives some more information. Um, that he didn't mention at the front front end. So in verse five, he says, okay, you're going to redeem us. Well, on the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth, the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow, talking there about Ruth, um, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. So here, now Boaz mentions this whole deal about, well, actually... If you buy the land, then guess what? You also get a wife. <laughs> you also have to marry this, the widow of, of the dead man, uh, Ruth. And so, if he's going to be a kinsman redeemer for the land, he's also got to be a kinsman redeemer to try to redeem the family line as well uh, by marrying Ruth with the intention of having a child with her to keep Elimelech's name alive. But here's the catch if he does that and they have a child, guess what? Then the child becomes the heir to Elimelech's land, right? So now the land no longer goes to this guy's children. It will go to that child, right? The child that is born to Ruth and it will be in the name of Elimelech. And so that is the fact that scares off this other kinsman redeemer. So in verse six, he says, well, if that's the case, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. So this other kinsman redeemer, he worries that that if he marries Ruth and he has a child with her, then that child would inherit Elimelech's land instead of his own children. So he's purchasing the land, but he's going to give it to this other child, right? This child that's not kind of his own family. And not only that, but by marrying Ruth, he's going to have a greater cost to his own estate of caring for Naomi, of caring for Ruth, of caring for any other potential children that might be born to Ruth. And so all of that would come to a cost to him and to his other family members, right? To his wife and to his other children. And, and so this other man begins counting the cost of all of that. And he says, you know what? That cost is just too high. So I'm not going to redeem it. I'm not interested, right? Because there's, there's too much risk involved here. There's too much cost involved here. Now, Boaz, on the other hand, he is willing to bear that cost. He's willing to take all of that on himself. And so in verses 9 and 10, he says, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Malon. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. So Boaz pays the price for the piece of land— But he also announces that his desire is for Elimelech's name to not disappear. And and for that, that actually Elimelech's name would be connected to this property. So he says, I don't even want my name connected to it. I'm doing this for the name of Elimelech. In other words, the cost to that, 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 that the other kinsman redeemer thought was too high to bear was a cost that Boaz willingly and eagerly accepts for himself. Recently, um, my family has been watching uh, the show American Ninja Warrior, Um, and uh, in in that show, if you're familiar at all with the show, there's participants that that compete with each other and and these ninja courses as they're kind of going through these different obstacles and uh, trying to get to the end of it. But the interesting thing about each episode of this show is that oftentimes they highlight the individuals who are competing, so they kind of tell the backstory of some of the people and what brought them to to compete on this show. And so this past week, we were we were watching one of these episodes, and, and it highlighted um, two of these ninjas that were that were competing um, in in the in this particular show. Who um, these two guys had met actually at a ninja gym where they were training, and it kind of gave the backstory to these two individuals as they got to, got to know each other. Uh, the guy on the left here, uh, Dan Champagne was talking to the other guy, Julius Ferguson, and was kind of just talking about asking him about his commute to the gym and asking about some of that information. And so Julius then shared with Dan that, well, actually he didn't have a home at that moment. Um, and he was actually living under a bridge at the time. And so Dan was concerned about this as he heard about his, his friend's situation. And so he began to ask a little bit more about it and actually went down to the bridge where this guy was living. And so Dan, you know, after talking things over with his, his family, he invited Julius to come and live with his family for a while. He says, Let me, why don't you come in and move in with us while we can kind of get you in a place where you can have a little more stability. And so Julius uh, began to live with, with Dan's family for a few months. And, and then Dan actually bought Julius a van. Um, and together they kind of renovated this van. They, they, they you know, got it so, so it could be a place where Julius could actually live in this van and be able to travel around in ninja contests all over the country but have a place to live while he was doing that. Now, there were costs involved with Dan and his family inviting Julius to live with them, right? There was, there was cost involved in inviting someone that is not a part of your family you know, into your home, right? To live with you and, and the cost that's involved in that. There were costs involved as, as Dan bought Julius this van, as they, as they worked together on converting it into a place where Julius could live. But Dan took on those costs willingly because he loved his friend, because he loved Julius. And he wanted to be a part of the story of redemption in Julius's life. And so he was willing to bear that cost in order to say, I want to be a part of what what God might do in this person's life. You know, it is very easy for us to have the perspective of the other kinsman redeemer in this story. When we are faced with an opportunity to help someone, we often count the cost to ourselves, right? We weigh that, you know? And if we're able to maybe benefit by helping out that person, then maybe we're much more likely to do it, right? If we can see, hey, I can help this person, but they can, can also help me out in some way, then we're, we're willing to do it. But if by helping this other person, it might be costly to us, oftentimes it can be a lot easier to say no. I'm not going to take on that cost in my own life. I want you to notice that the name of the other kinsman redeemer doesn't appear in our text. Do you notice that? He's not mentioned by name. Here's the thing. He was concerned with protecting his own name and his own estate. But today, all he's remembered as is the anonymous guy who didn't help out Ruth and Naomi. Right? By trying to protect his estate, protect his name, he is now not really remembered. He's just remembered as the guy who, was, who kind of just was selfish and thought about himself, right? Now, on the other hand, Boaz was not interested in protecting his name. He wasn't interested in lifting up his own name. In fact, he was wanting to lift up the name of Elimelech, right? He was interested in bearing the cost himself, but to lift up this other guy's name, Elimelech. But ironically, whose name is remembered today? Boaz's, right? We all remember Boaz's name, even though Boaz wasn't interested in anything about his own name. By accepting the cost to himself, by lifting up the name of someone else, his name was actually lifted up as the one who had redeemed Ruth and Naomi. Now, as we've seen throughout the book of Ruth, There are so many ways that this story points ahead to our kinsman redeemer, Jesus. And Jesus, when he came into the world, he came not to promote his own name, but to take the position of a servant. He came, he was born in poverty, in obscurity. He was constantly giving of himself regardless of the cost because of his great love for people. And of course, we see the culmination of this in his death on the cross, as he willingly bore the cost of our redemption, paying for our sin by dying in our place. As the scripture reading that Becky read earlier from 1 Peter 1 said in verses 18 and 19, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus didn't pay for our redemption with money. He paid with his own life. He paid with his own blood. And Jesus paid that cost of redemption out of love for us and in order to give you and me a name. Not to lift up his own name, but to actually lift up our names that we would be called children of God that we would be called heirs to his kingdom. But just like with Boaz, Jesus' willingness to bear the cost and to lift up us, to save us, to redeem us, to lift up our names, guess what it did? It then lifted up his name to the highest place to be the name that is above every name. So there was a great cost to Jesus' redemption of us, just as there was a cost for Boaz's redemption of Ruth and Naomi. So what resulted from that? That's the other thing I want to look at today. We see this, the cost of the redemption. So what are the results of this redemption? We're going to look at, at the, the, the results in, in each of the, the lives of, of some of these individuals. We, we see that in kind of the, the last part of the chapter. So first, what are the results of redemption for Ruth? What happens as a result for Ruth? Well, Ruth, at the beginning of our passage... She is a foreigner. She's someone outside of God's people. But by the end of the passage, where is she? She is now a part of the people of God. She is part. She is in the family, right? Ruth goes from being a widow to a wife. She goes from being childless to being a mother. There's some amazing results that happen for Ruth, right, in the process of this redemption. But not only that, in verse 11... The elders and the people at the gate say this to Boaz. They say, may the Lord make the woman who's coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. So these elders, they speak about these two names, Rachel and Leah, who were the two wives of Jacob. Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And the children of Rachel and Leah and their concubines, they became the 12 tribes of Israel. Right, So these elders are saying, they're asking the Lord to bless Ruth in a similar way to the mothers of Israel. Right? They're saying, we want the same kind of blessing to happen to you, Ruth, as would happen to Rachel and Leah. And guess what happens? In verse 17, we find out that their prayer was answered. Because we read about Ruth and Boaz's son there in verse 17. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. That's right. The big surprise reveal at the end of the book of Ruth is that all of the events of this book ultimately led to the birth of this child, Obed, who was the grandfather of King David. King David, who is the the most famous, and um, the king that is is lifted up in, in, in the history of Israel. So Boaz's act of redemption brought this Moabite woman into the lineage of the greatest king of Israel. In fact, if Boaz hadn't redeemed Ruth, there would be no David. Right? <laughs> because David was born to right, ultimately from Boaz and Ruth. But there's another lineage. Another lineage that's even more significant than that of David, which even the author of the book of Ruth knew nothing about. We find this out in the New Testament. In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, we find the genealogy of Jesus, who Jesus was descended from. And right in the middle of Jesus' genealogy, we find this in verse 5, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. That he is in that line, right? Because he's in the line of David. There are only four women... Who are mentioned in Jesus' genealogy, and Ruth is one of them. This Moabite woman, from a foreigner, right, from outside of Israel, she is listed in the genealogy of the Son of God. That's some amazing results of that redemption, right? For Ruth, not only to be listed as the, in the line of David, but to be listed in the genealogy of Jesus. That is some amazing results of redemption that happened for Ruth. Now, what about for Naomi? What about the results of of this whole situation, this redemption for her? Well, besides that final genealogy at the end of the book of Ruth, the final scene of the book of Ruth actually is with Naomi, which is actually very appropriate because things have come full circle. Where did the book of Ruth begin? It began with Naomi and her family in Bethlehem, but leaving Bethlehem to go to Moab, right? Because of the famine. And, and, and all of these things that happened in that first chapter of, of Ruth, where Naomi experienced all these bitter losses, right? She came back to Bethlehem. She says, my life is bitter. She said, I, I left full, but now I've come back empty. But now the book of Ruth ends. Where does it end? It ends back in Bethlehem, and it ends back with Naomi, But this time, Naomi has been filled up. She said, I was full and I left and now I'm empty. And then here, what happens in the book of Ruth? What? She's been filled up again. She she holds this little grandson of hers, Obed, in her lap. And verse 17 says, the women living there said, Naomi has a son. So Naomi, who had lost her husband who had lost her two sons, now at the end of the book of Ruth, she has another son. Technically a grandson. But but the women of Bethlehem see Obed as Naomi's own son. Because he is the one that's going to carry on the name of her husband, Elimelech. He's the one that's going to keep their family line going. And so even more than that, in verses 14 and 15, the women say this to Naomi. They say, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Who are these women talking about here? They're actually talking about Obed. They're talking about this baby. They're actually calling this baby Naomi's kinsman redeemer. It says, let him, his name be famous around Israel. And and, he's, and, and he, because this little baby has redeemed Naomi's life from bitterness. He will carry on a Limelech's name. And, he, and they also say, and you know what else is going to happen, Naomi? He's going to renew your life and sustain you in your old age. That this little boy, as he gets older, he's going to be providing for you the way that your sons would have but can no longer do it. Now he's going to be able to care for you, Naomi. God had truly provided for Naomi. and when we go through experiences of loss and bitterness like Naomi did, it can be easy to get bitter, like we talked about in that first message of this series, right? But even in her bitterness, Naomi clung to the fact that God was ultimately in control. And she continued to trust him, even in the midst of her bitterness, even in the midst of her sorrow. And here's the thing, even despite all of that, God redeemed her situation. He provided for her needs. He even gave her a new son to care for, who would be able to care for her in her old age. Brothers and sisters, our God is a God of redemption. He redeems people. He redeems situations. And so what about for us? What are the results of redemption for us? Well, just like for Naomi, our God of redemption is, can take situations in our lives that are bitter and empty right now and he can fill them. He can bring good out of them. He, he takes unexpected people like Ruth, this person outside of Israel, and he could weave them into his purposes, even into this amazing history of God's work, right? And he can do the same thing with you and with me. And sometimes he is doing something way bigger Then we can even see like putting all the pieces of the puzzle together that ultimately leads to the birth of King David. Right. Naomi, Ruth and Boaz, even when they died, they had no clue that that was going to happen. Right. They never saw the fulfillment of that. But God did. He knew it. And so God was doing something in their lives that they had no clue about but that ultimately led to this amazing birth of David and ultimately led to Jesus, right? We may never see the ultimate purposes of what God is doing in our lives, even through the hard things in our lives, but we can trust that he is ultimately working for our good and for his glory, even when we don't see it, even when we may never see it. Maybe only our grandkids will see it, Someday down the line. But here's the, here's the ultimate thing. That because of Jesus' costly work of redemption, like Ruth, we are transformed from being outsiders, enemies of God, into now being a part of the family of God. As a part of the bride of Christ. As the other, that other scripture reading from Ephesians 1 said in verses 7 and 8... In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Our sins are forgiven in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. I would encourage you later today to go back and read that whole section in Ephesians 1 again that Becky read earlier. Because it is just packed with all the results of Christ's redemption for us. As as Paul says, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And so in closing, I want to read just a a final thought from one of the commentators that I was reading this week. This commentator Ian Duguid, that kind of captures this and brings it all home. So hear this as we reflect on just the way that Ruth's story points to Jesus. He writes this The Lord is the Redeemer behind the human Redeemer in Ruth and Naomi's story. And this is also what the Lord has done for each of us. He is the Redeemer behind each of our own personal salvation stories. He sought each of us while we were utterly lost. Not only did He make us feel valuable, in Christ, God actually made us valuable. It is not just Ruth's story that turned out to be part of a much bigger narrative than she ever imagined. Your story and my story are also woven into the bigger tapestry of what God is doing in Jesus Christ. So hear this. He has seated us with him in the heavenly realms, exalted us along with him to the glories of heaven, made us co-heirs with him, and blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In him, we have been given a glorious genealogy. We are children of God. Though in our sin, we wandered away empty, he beca- and, have become, and became hard-heartedly bitter toward him, he has brought us back full indeed. He has made sure and certain that in Christ, each of our stories has a good and happy ending. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the end of the book of Ruth as we see that in the midst of all of these events, what you are ultimately doing, that you are bringing redemption to Naomi, you're bringing redemption to Ruth and bringing her into the the genealogy of King David and and even of Jesus. Lord, in the the little details of the lives of this family, you were at work Doing something way bigger than they even knew. And we thank you that you're the God who does that in our lives too, Lord. That you, that we are a part not of our own story, that we would make our name great, but that we are a part of your story. And that you lift our names up with yours that we don't deserve, Jesus, but you do it, we do it. You bring us into your story so that your name would be made great. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use our lives, even the hard things in our lives, to bring glory to you, to bring glory to your name. And thank you that you are the God who has redeemed us just as you redeemed Ruth and Naomi through the precious blood of Christ. We are redeemed. And we sing to you today of that great redemption you have done for us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.